Today I introduce you to the first of two special episodes of In Conversation With. We are currently living through unprecedented times as we navigate our lives through the current coronavirus pandemic. Now more than ever, it's important that we continue to have conversations that really focus on the importance of human connection and show the importance of kindness and compassion, not only to others, but to ourselves. Today's guest is Cheryl Putterman. Cheryl is an internationally trained and certified body, mind, nutrition and wellness practitioner. She is also an expert in stress relief management and conscious relationships, having trained with a leading school in nutritional psychology. Cheryl and her family are also survivors of the 2004 Asian tsunami. This event left her with a very deep understanding of human vulnerability and was the leading catalyst that led her to her studies and expertise in both the science of stress and the healing power of the breath. Today we'll be discussing accepting and overcoming life-changing events. So Cheryl, thanks for joining us today. Let's warm things up with our quick fire round and just let me know which of either you prefer, sunrise or sunset? Most definitely for me, I would say sunrise. It's the start of a new day. Music or podcasts? I do love both, but I'm going to go with music because music brings an instant mind change and an instant mood change. And it always, uh, I find music very uplifting. Telephone call or text? Phone call for sure. It's more personal. And lastly, honesty or others' feelings? Oh, honesty. I think being real and authentic is where the true action is and that the truth spoken with compassion and love will always land well in the heart of the listener, whoever that is. I like that. I like that. And I think there is a power in being on. You can be honest and kind, can't you? But I think it's paramount that you are honest as much as you can be with people. Absolutely. But uh, as you said, being honest with kindness and with compassion, that will always land well. So thank you for those. Let's start today's conversation with finding out how you are. How would you score your mental well-being on a scale of 1 to 10? Well, if you ask me that today, I would say I'm having a great day today, so an 8 or even a 9. But that doesn't mean that uh, a couple of days ago or last week I wasn't above a a 6. I, like everyone, is experiencing unprecedented times and it does bring up a lot of emotions. It brings up its ups and it brings up its downs. And I too wonder how long this is all going to go on for. But I do feel blessed to have cultivated skills and strengths through my own adversity in life, which does help me tremendously to stay calm, to stay focused and to stay on task. So, so definitely, um, you know, emotions are up, up and down, but uh, having uh, a practice does keep me focused and calm. And do you tend to take note of your, your mental well-being score on a daily? Like, do you ask yourself, how am I doing today regularly? Or was this question a new one process for you? Now, I actually take note of my mental well-being all the time because I've trained myself to become very consciously aware of where I am at in my body and in my mind. I think it's very important to notice, to name how we're feeling because bringing any kind of awareness and any kind of consciousness into that 
actually is a very empowering you and you become the authority over your emotions. You get to control your emotions before they control you. That's a really good point. And it brings me nicely onto what I'm thinking next, which is could you share any tips you have for or daily habits to support positive well-being? Well, first a great question. Your daily habits do mold your future. You are a result of yesterday's habits, good or bad, which is true in every area of life. So for me, and it may work for, for you too, I find that creating some sort of a routine, sitting down and quieting the mind allows me to not only nourish myself accordingly during the day, but to set the tone from a place of more quiet and alignment. I'm an early riser, so I do start my day with meditation, with breathing, with journaling, which is creative writing. And I believe that it's very important to manage one's energy, to become aware of one's time and to be able to manage your time efficiently. And creating some sort of a routine, especially in today's times, can be very helpful to establish a sense of flow in your day. So even in today's times, I would say when you get up, get dressed, take that time even if you're just going into the other room, onto your laptop, take the time when you're getting dressed. And if you like meditation, go for some sort of a meditation, breathing practices, as I say, uh, journaling, some sort of creativity. I think that very importantly right now is also to create some sort of a structure around one's meals that you're eating. So to press pause during your, during your day at least three times and to sit down for a nourishing meal. The thirdly and most importantly to take note of the way that you're breathing throughout the day. Deep conscious breathing will train your mind to calm down and it's a very important to support positive well-being, becoming consciously aware of the way that you breathe. And the same way that we train our brain to be more present, we train our body how to breathe more calmly. That's a really interesting point. Um, and something that I think would really help me is, as you said, thinking about my conscious breathing throughout the day. So I've definitely since working from home and, and I worked from home previous to as we've been in this pandemic and on lockdown I make sure that I, I I take the time to kind of be with myself speak to my body speak to my mind set the tone for the day what, what do I want to achieve and having that moment of peace and calm trying not to go straight onto my phone and check social media or work emails I I try and have a process of allowing myself time to wake up in a meaningful manner and starting my day and then starting the process of working and coming downstairs and having those clear boundaries even within my home and I think that journaling is a great way to process how you're feeling many of us may be feeling anxious at this moment for a number of different reasons which we'll discuss further on for our conversation but I think that the the breathing practices that's really kind of resonated with me for something that I should be more conscious of throughout the day so thank you for sharing those tips and I think the audience will find that useful as well. 
Absolutely. I, you know, breathing is definitely the cornerstone of stress management. Very important to become consciously aware of the way we breathe. But I think it's very important also to not be overcritical with oneself right now. There are very many factors that aren't in our hands and that are out of our control. So to simply ask oneself, how can I best support myself through this challenge and create self-care protocols that work for you, whatever they are? to create those self-care protocols that work for you. And I love that you said that uh, you don't get up and go straight into your emails straight away during the day. I think that there are a lot of stresses that are actually hidden stresses that we aren't consciously aware of. A lot of people aren't conscious of some of the ways that they are adding to their stress, when they're multitasking, when they're waking up in the morning and going straight to those emails and setting the tone for the day in that way. Instead of taking that time out to just pause, be a little bit in quiet and set your tone for the for your day more in quiet and in alignment. And once again, then creating self-care protocols and a flow and a routine that works for you and that supports you. We mentioned earlier in your introduction that you and your family have survived um, the tsunami. It's, it was December 2004, um, Boxing Day for us that celebrate Christmas, um, and your family were holidaying in Thailand. A completely life-changing experience for anyone to survive. Could you share with us your story? Absolutely, Dina. Yes, I have faced uh, uncertainty. I have faced fear. For me, it was in the face of a natural disaster. I have seen a tsunami and lived through a tsunami face to face. And whilst this may have been a more sudden and a violent event, what I believe is that the sudden principle of upheaval and the subsequent fear of uncertainty that followed is actually something that I've been personally challenged with for years. I've always, for years after that, was looking to the future. Mm. Uh, seeking answers from the future. But let me start briefly to tell you the story of what actually happened to, to myself and to my family. So we were living in Hong Kong at the time, and we had booked a relaxing holiday to Thailand. And on the 26th of December, which was actually just the morning after our arrival, we had flown there on the 25th, we went for a refreshing walk along the beach. And my uh, elder son insisted that he wanted to play by the pool and to leave the beach. And although we actually didn't know it then, that moment in itself was one that possibly saved our lives. It was probably that action that saved our lives in itself. So we made our way back at the pool. Myself, uh, my elder son, my younger son, my boys were, were really small at the time, three and seven. And Sitting back at the pool, I sat comfortably, appreciating the serenity of my surroundings. I was watching my boys have a fabulous time. And all of a sudden, I got a very strong feeling that came over me. It, it was a really strong, intuitive feeling that I needed my, my sons near me. My eldest son was playing at a second swimming pool behind me, and I suddenly got up. I still don't know to this day, except that that was that instinctive feeling that I needed my son near me. And I turned to my son and I asked him to get out of the water and to, to come to where I was. I was very insistent. He was very happy playing where he was. And eventually he did. And 
you know, sitting down, looking around, appreciating the serenity and the beauty of where we were, having my two boys playing beautifully right in front of me, out of nowhere, my husband actually yelled, get up, and I soon saw why. The, the wave was right in front of us. It was speeding towards us. I had never seen a tsunami, did not know what was going on. My uh, elder son was transfixed. I yelled at him to move. And just raising my, my eyes, it was an unbelievable sight, one that I'll never forget. But the tsunami hit with a speed and with a ferocity that was simply overwhelming. And the area where my son had been playing just a few minutes before had been devastated by the power of the surge and a, a car had actually come and smashed right into the kids' club where he was. And for me, that, that just has always proven to me and, and illustrated for me the power that actually comes with our intuition. We need mm -hmm. to look to that voice, that intuition. Our intuition, I believe, is a superpower. We need to listen to it. Just like that, uh, one second we were in paradise, the next we were in chaos and in destruction. And there's a very fine line between the two. We were lucky. And when I returned back to Hong Kong, I did suffer with a tremendous amount of panic, panic attacks, a tremendous amount of overwhelming anxiety and this was the reason it was the driving force that actually led me to my studies of the science of breath the cornerstone of stress management to the science of stress and so much has developed since then and without a doubt I can honestly say that it's why I do what I do today mm. it's me great pleasure in being able to help so many people overcome their challenges with stress with with wounds and with hurts that's an incredible story and i i can only imagine that it probably a yeah, felt like it was happening in slow motion and just the power of there's something inside you that said i need to have my son here with me and following that intuition i think it's something that we all have but do we are we all in tuned and listening to that and the power that it has and just I, I remember the tsunami and I'd never heard of anything so well a life-changing event um, a natural life-changing event like that and the displacement of so many people and the lives that were lost it was it was new to me and, and I was thousands of miles away in the UK and I had friends and family that were traveling in Asia at the time so it, it was a really really shocking event for the world never mind having lived through and experienced that and I feel that they're you know we're currently living through the virus pandemic most of us are living in some type of lockdown and restrictions on our daily lives some of us have lost our jobs some of us may have lost loved ones unexpectedly and many of us will be struggling at some degree in this situation as it's probably the biggest life challenge event um, of our lives when we think about human connection and the importance of human connection, what advice would you give us through surviving through this and, and acknowledging what we're going through? First, in my, my heart and my prayers goes to whoever has lost loved ones and whoever is struggling through this 
crisis that we're going through right now. So many people are going through so much right now. It has brought up so so much for so many. I do believe that there is value in every struggle that we may go through in life. I know that through my tsunami experience, I did gain at the end of the day experience, knowledge, wisdom, most importantly, the resilience that needed and that is needed to heal. And I believe that in life, we all go through our own personal tsunamis. And for many of us, we are all experiencing a trauma right now that we are actually only beginning to acknowledge and to recognize. In life, there are traumas that you overcome and there are traumas that you just never get over. Certain things do become an integral part of who you are. Mm. You, you live with them. You work with them. They become part of you, but they don't need to define you. We can learn through our struggles. There is a purpose in, in our pain. But I do think that what advice would I give to people surviving through this order is to keep our faith strong. Faith is the foundation of life. When our faith is shaken, our lives are shaken. Faith is what gives us our inner strength. It gives us our inner stability. It is what keeps our hope alive. So to keep one's faith strong, faith at the end of the day is stronger than fear. And to acknowledge what we're going through, that what we are going through is a trauma, and to be extremely gentle with ourselves right now, kind to ourselves right now along this journey and along what it is that we are experiencing right now, and to acknowledge what we, that what we're experiencing right now is challenging, it is hard, it is bringing up a lot for so many. Some have practices that, that are helping them, others really don't. So to be extremely kind to oneself, keep your faith strong and to be very gentle with oneself right now. I know for me, one thing I'm personally struggling with during this pandemic is I haven't become this new person I expected having more time would allow me to be. I'm not eating as healthily as I could. I'm not practicing yoga every day. I'm not achieving my book list of reading two to three books a week. And I'm noticing that I'm developing bad habits, which makes me feel worse because I'm like, well, I'm not, I haven't lost anyone to the virus. I'm in employment. I, I'm in a positive place, but I'm still not elevating myself personally to where I think I should be and coming out of at the other end. What would you say to this self-deprecating mindset? First, a great question. You're not alone in this. That's so relevant to what's going on with so many people today. You know, most outside, outside activities are not allowed right now. We are living in, comp in confined spaces 24-7 with our families, with our friends, or, or even on our own. And so much has changed for so many of us so quickly that our bodies and our nervous systems are working on an overdrive with stress and anxiety levels rising. And despite every attempt that we may have at self-control, some behaviors or even old habits or self-sabotaging behaviors may be triggering and may be triggered by this stressful time. And it mm -hmm. may seem that these behaviors are the one who resurface and if so, that some of us went into the crisis with these behaviors and they may find that now these behaviors just want to dominate the day. So I think that when you learn to become conscious of your thoughts and your habits, you may be drawn more towards nourishment you will discover more sense of a control when you become conscious, when you become self-aware of one's habits and behavior. That's the first step, to become self-aware. 
And secondly, another solution is in mindfulness to taking in a deep breath, reconnecting with your body's natural guidance system with the innate wisdom that exists within yourself. Being mindful, being focused, bringing your attention on the present moment has a lot of power in this to help you to disconnect from negative habits and behaviors. And in, in the uh, uh, teaching that I teach, and I even have a course, an online course on how to cultivate healthy habits, I teach something that is called a kind mindfulness. So not only being mindful, but to bring compassion and forgiveness into our self-sabotaging behaviors. When you acknowledge your behaviors with more compassion and forgiveness, with less shame and with less guilt, the, the power of the self-sabotaging behavior loosens its grip and its voice becomes softened within us. And more mindfulness and more kindness that becomes stronger and then you are more drawn towards more nourishing behaviors. For me, let's talk about me personally. So should yeah. I be including this within my daily steps? I know that I feel that there's this big pressure to do everything all at once. Should I kind of be thinking about, okay, becoming more self-aware or being conscious of my breathing and being more present? Should I try and introduce those as steps or have an overall plan? What do you think is the best approach? The best approach is to always take one step at a time, to not uh, take on too much too quickly because then one is setting themselves up for failure. So firstly, to do what feels best for you right now being aware, being conscious, even when, when, when uh, one is walking around the house or walking outside, to just start to notice things around you, simply to notice, simply to notice, to observe and mm -hmm. to take things always one step at a time. When you start to take that step more and more, it becomes easier, it becomes more familiar and eventually it becomes a habit. That's something that I need to definitely practice more of. It. And I think sometimes I set myself a massive change. And then if I fall at the first hurdle, I feel like I'm a complete failure when really I can acknowledge, well, no, I did X, Y, and Z. I just didn't get all the way through that plan. And I can revisit that and restart that and, and celebrate the success in the, the small steps that I have taken towards a certain goal. So I'll definitely be looking to apply that. I want to kind of touch on survivor's guilt. Many of us may feel guilty that we're still in employment or that we have the space to safely practice social distancing. So there's an element of privilege, like we all are living through a pandemic, but it's not equal in, in our experiences or that we may have lost loved ones to the virus. Did you experience something similar after the tsunami? Dina, firstly, I think that we must acknowledge those that have lost loved ones, their livelihoods. So many people are facing tremendous challenges right now, even as we speak. It is an ongoing event that we're going through right now, and we don't know how it will end. So again, my heart and my prayers are with everyone. From my perspective and from my experience, every year on the 26th of December, I spend time in self-reflection and in gratitude for being here, acknowledging the very privilege of being alive. And the experience just humbled me. It left me with a very deep understanding of human vulnerability and what we as human beings need to overcome to move forward in our lives and not to be stuck in our fears. Everything that I saw as a weakness in myself became a strength. Even the fear, the trauma, the stress, the anxiety, 
all of it became a place that I could heal and eventually transform. I think that so often in life we are living in our fears and we're not actually living in our lives. At the end of the day, our thoughts are feelings in motion, truly. Mm. A feeling is a thought and they can paralyze the body or we can move with our feelings, we can move with our thoughts and take action. And at the end of the day, that's why I landed up pursuing my studies and uh, why I, I work today in stress management because of this experience. So what could our audience, if they're, if they're feeling this, this sense of guilt or, and, and stress from the current situation, what can they do if they're feeling this way at the moment? To bring in real gratitude and appreciation for that they are here and and that they are going through this and that they are alive. I think that we we need to to live whilst we are alive. So we need to bring in real consciousness, real mindfulness, real presence into being here. Whilst we are alive, we need to pay attention to how how it is that we're living. And to be grateful and to be appreciative and to to know how very blessed we are to to be here. Can we look at the vulnerability of being human and the whole conversation around vulnerability? This is often viewed as a weakness. Um, Can you share your thoughts on why we should view this as a powerful tool to self-development? It's a wonderful question, that, and it's actually vulnerability is a subject that I'm very passionate about and one that I do hold close to my heart. I don't see vulnerability as a source of weakness at all. In fact, how vulnerable you are is actually tapping into your true source of strength. You also get to choose who you share your vulnerability with. Um, I founded Nourishment Vitality. My mission is to hold a shame-free space without judgment where People can let go of what no longer serves their soul. I do understand vulnerability and even so, I do feel sometimes a little burst of nerves before I presented an event. Let's say I'm sharing something really vulnerable about myself on a social post on, uh, or a post on social media, not knowing what people will think or how it will unfold or of what tomorrow brings. Sometimes we put on a smile when we're sad. We pretend to know the answers when we don't actually have a clue. We want to look strong when, in fact, we, we're feeling weak. But whenever we choose to mask the truth of who we truly are, we're fitting ourselves into the society's narrative that we're never enough. So true strength comes from being who you are, unapologetically being who you are and stepping into your truth. And being vulnerable is a strength that will enable you and will empower you to embrace all of who you are. Thank you for that. It really resonates with my belief about vulnerability, and, and particularly a lot of the work that we do at in Diverse Company about you know senior leaders showing vulnerability and how that, that can make employees feel more included. And I think that there is definitely a shift in the mindset of many that, vulnerability isn't a weakness it's actually a strength and through that you can form human connection and enable you know inclusive cultures and allow people to be their authentic self which is key to anyone's true success and true happiness can we look at the relationship between stress 
nourishment and mental well-being how are these connected and what small daily habits can we incorporate to combine the three in a positive way well as a mind body wellness practitioner one of the areas i actually specialize in is mind body nutrition which focuses on the fascinating connections between the brain the body and one's behavior it helps you make the connection between your emotional world and between your physical world, creating a balance between what you eat and how you feel. And the way you feel impacts not only your emotional well-being, but also your physical well-being and one's metabolism. I personally uh, find the connection between brain, body and behavior fascinating. Our thoughts, our feelings, our beliefs do impact our health, mental and physical health are never separate. One will always affect the other. And mind-body nutrition actually shows us how stress, how relaxation, how breathing, how awareness, meal timing, pleasure, and so much more has an influence on our digestion and on our calorie-burning capacity. So, you know, I always say that the only way out is in, and I do encourage people and I encourage my clients to go within so uh, that they can recognize what truly makes them feel fulfilled and to take steps to develop healthy behaviors that can have a positive impact on one's physical well-being as well as on one's mental well-being so that you can elevate your mood in the end. And when your mood is elevated, you become more resilient and you actually become stronger. I think there is such a strong connection between what we fuel our bodies with and how that makes us, us feel in our productivity. I know for me, if I don't a meal plan, as you said, I will find that I will pick up more unhealthy things that then make me feel sluggish, that then make me feel less productive. But then at the end of the day, I feel like I haven't had a great day. When I eat something that's like fresh and nutritious, it changes how I feel about my body and then about how I'm approaching my day and you know if I had if, if I sat there and I had McDonald's I tend to not feel great pretty much straight afterwards I don't have that when I have a nutritious meal and I think that I've had to have that personal journey of understanding what I'm fueling my body with affects me mentally and physically they're all interconnected and you know when you're working on small habits of one it has an effect on the other two so I think that that's a really important message Absolutely. I think that one needs to actually plan small daily tasks around uh, uh, the meal prep or around uh, making sure that your choices that you are fueling yourself with as well are nourishing. Even if you are including uh, other things as well, every meal that you eat does influence the way that you feel. Uh, You know, by thinking about what's at the end of your fork, and eating for health and including not not so much about excluding foods, but more mm-hmm. about including more healthy options as well, so that you can actually feed your body, fuel your body with the nourishment that it actually needs. Pay attention to the food quality, you know, the foods that you are choosing and uh, incorporate more of those so that you can create more balance, you know, not only in your life, but in the way that you feel as well. And I also think it's one thing that we can be in control of in a time where we feel that we're not in control. It helps us to be able to structure our day. We can't go out to our favourite restaurants. Takeaways are limited as they are. So if we're able to kind of think about, okay, this is what I'll be eating for 
today. It helps you structure your day so that you aren't working too late or not switching off. You, you're actually taking you know, active breaks within your day as well. So I think that, that there is an element of adding some control to our days with that structure as well. Well, I think also, you know, being at home right now, as I mentioned earlier, at least, at least three times a day to sit down for one's meal at the best of times when one's, when one's working. It's, you know, sometimes we don't actually sit down for our meals. We're eating on the run. We're in a rush. We are multitasking whilst we're eating. Mm-hmm. So to sit down with one, when one's eating and very importantly, do you know actually a tip for everybody is to slow down when you eat when you slow down when you eat uh, you're putting your body more in a state of relaxation and you can uh, digest your 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 meal easier gaining more optimum nutrition out of the food that you're eating so slow down taste the food how does it taste how does it feel do you enjoy what you're eating when we're multitasking sometimes we um, and when we're not uh, present when we're eating, we eat more than we should because we've checked out. So make sure that you check in when you're sitting down. So yeah. sit down, <laughs> check in who's showing up to the table. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you can even just take one deep breath, two deep breaths before you eat your food. Look at your food. Acknowledge that you're going to sit down and that you eat. And now being at home, we can actually uh, make a meal of it, you know. Mm. Sit down with your family members if, if you have people around. And even if you buy your buy, buy oneself, put out your favorite plate. Mm. Put out your favorite glass and enjoy one's meal. Uh, really bring that pleasure component into the foods that we eat. And uh, when, we, when we add that all in together, we actually activate and set up our metabolism um, for its uh, greatest efficiency to, to work its best for us. When our body is more relaxed, it works better. Everything works better. Everything works better. I th- uh, what really works for me as well is I like to have lots of colour and texture on my plate, like a mixture that really, they say you eat with your eyes, and that's definitely the case for me. If there's lots of different colours and textures, I am more mindful when I'm consuming it because I'm like, oh, okay, there's, there's peppers and there's chickpeas and there's spinach and, or whatever it is. I just feel like when there's an abundance of colours, it, it just helps me be more mindful to enjoy the meal. I, I may be alone with that. <laughs> no, I think it's fantastic because what you've just said even just demonstrates how just taking that little bit of time to, to, to look at your plate, to look at your colours, to look at your state of mind, how you feel. Um, it's, uh, it brings uh, a lot more to the table. And uh, when we're eating, we often bring all of our emotions to the plate. So, so take note of who's showing up. And, mm. uh, and uh, you know, uh, nourishment is more than what we eat and not only to look at what we're eating, but who we are as eaters, body, mind, heart, and soul. I definitely am finding between like between me and my children, we'll, we'll take turns in cooking and we can always tell if we've cooked with love or if we've cooked out of rush. And we always laugh when we sit down and share a meal. We're like, okay, this wasn't made with love, was it? Because there'll be something quite missing. But it, it's, meal time has become a really nice time for us to kind of reconnect, even though we're, we're in the house and we're all doing different things. But also talk about the meal and, the, you know, the kids are like, oh, mum, can you make this particular favourite meal of mine in because I'm at home, you have the ability to make more rather than, you know, dash, dashing home to kind of cook a meal. 
were able to kind of embrace cooking time, which I do enjoy. So, yeah, I, I don't know what would happen if I, I, I wasn't so happy in the kitchen. But well, like, It always tastes better when it's cooked with a lap. Yes, yes. <laughs> Cheryl, if you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it say and why? Mm. Um, I think it would say the joy is in the journey. The joys in the journey of trying, of falling, of experiencing small wins, of trying again, of getting further along, learning new things, and embracing all your perfections and your imperfections is part of that journey. So to just shark for oneself in a loving and respectful way. But the joy is in the journey. The joy is in the becoming. I like that. Um, which book or film would you recommend to people and why? You know, I still love the first Rocky movie. It will oh, be, I love that movie. It, uh, it uh, represents for me success over adversity. It's also mm-hmm. a love story. It's getting back time after time. It's still one of my all-time favorites. Yeah. My, my favorite book uh, is also an old book, but I love it so much. It's The Power of Your Subconscious Mind by Dr. Joseph Murphy. I love that book. And could you tell us a little bit about that for our audience? It's really what the what the heading says. It's the power of your subconscious mind. There's tremendous power within our mind and within our thoughts, and goes through the different the different types of thoughts and feelings and and healings and mm-hmm. how powerful our subconscious mind and the thoughts that we think uh, create the reality that we that we live. And what makes you feel inspired? You know, Dina, I've been studying metaphysical science since I'm 15 years old. And I've always been fascinated by by thoughts and how they do affect the reality that we live and the power in the messages that we feed our minds. I find it extremely inspirational to... To be able to to understand one's mind, there's tremendous uh, power in in the mind. I feel so inspired when I see transformation and I witness transformation in my clients, having that mm-hmm. breakthrough in something and making that shift in their consciousness. It's it's incredibly inspirational. And when you look at the actual word inspired, it's like in spirit. Mm-hmm. What's the, and I feel like we've touched on this when we were talking about what we'd have in a billboard, but what lesson have you learned most in your life? That you never really know what the next moment will bring. That's been my biggest life lesson. You will never really know what the next moment will bring. So live in the moment, be present and enjoy. The journey always informs the destination, always. Mm -hmm. There's a saying that, Life happens while you're busy planning it. And I think that that's definitely true. We have to, you can plan. And I feel many of us were probably planning what we're going to do in six months time, a year's time, two years time. Let's start being present and taking the next step and and embracing what comes next as best we can. Yeah, Absolutely. That's why, you know, how are we living? If we hear, how are we living? How How are we choosing to live our day? What one tip do you have to make the world a better place? To be kind and not to judge. Don't see intentions behind other people's actions. You just never know what another person has been through. So always be kind. Always be kind and show empathy. Yeah. Always. 
we can never, as you said, sometimes we can smile when we want to cry. We can be angry when we're nervous or frightened and you never know what someone else has gone through or is experiencing unless they are able to share that with you. So if we can spread kindness, it's a really powerful thing. Absolutely. And as well, you know, one of the greatest antidotes to feeling low is to actually go out there and to help somebody else. It's when when you go out there and you actually help somebody else, you're in essence also helping yourself. So to bring that empathy and that compassion into helping others as well, because at the end of the day, when, and I've seen this and I've felt this in my own life, and I'm sure many people have in theirs as well, but when you give truly from the heart, you actually get for the heart as well. Mm-hmm. That's such a lovely sentiment to kind of end our session on. Thank you so much for spending time to talk with me today. I think that some of the tips you've given, you've shared today are going to help me personally and just reinforces that I need to be kinder to myself and make time for myself as we invest in many material things, invest in our well-being and invest in our in our personal journey. I think that's definitely come through today. If people wanted to hear more of, of, of your thoughts and your work, could you share how they can get in touch and, and, and how they can reach you? To go to my website, www.cherylputterman.com. That's Cheryl with an S, S-H-E-R-Y-L, Putterman, P-U-T-E-R-M-A-N. So www.cherylputterman.com. They could also send an email at info at CherylPutterman.com. I am on social media, Cheryl Putterman, Nourishment Vitality. I'm on Instagram at Cheryl Putterman. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Pinterest. And I'm on LinkedIn as well. So you are reachable. We can reach you if we need to connect. Uh, <laughs> yeah, to help. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again, Cheryl. It's been absolutely amazing speaking with you. Thank you for your time. Um, and I wish you a, a lovely afternoon. Thank you so much, Dina. Thank you. It's been wonderful speaking with you. Thank you for having me.